0: Hi, this is Tokyo U.S. Brand Manager Ian Harvey. I'm here with Gus Shoemaker. Gus is the defending World Junior Nordic Ski Champion and U.S. National Skate Sprint Champion. I did a series of three interviews with him earlier this year to sort of introduce him and give people a chance to get to know him. This is the second Catching Up with Gus interview. This interview is to simply catch up and get his thoughts on the recently finished World Cup events in Davos, Switzerland and Dresden, Germany, as well as the upcoming Tour de Ski. Hi, Gus. Thanks for taking the time. To talk with me.
1: Yo, yeah, should be fun.
0: Yeah. The Tour de Ski starts on Friday in Valmoster, in uh, which is in the far eastern part of Switzerland, and is also the Dario Colonia's hometown. I guess you're not there yet, you're still in Seifelt where you spent the holidays?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, well, we can talk about that in a second, but let's let's dive into Davos. Um, from my experience, Davos is generally the favorite spot on the World Cup tour for the American team. It's a return to sun, great food, generally superb conditions, and always brings a morale boost after being in Finland. Usually it's Finland and then Norway for a few weeks with no sun and kind of gray and everything. Um, please tell me about your experience in Davos including the races.
1: Yeah, we ended up going pretty – we spent a lot of time there because we only had the first weekend in Scandinavia. So we were in Scandinavia for eight days and then – I don't, I don't think anyone really needed a huge morale boost by then, but it was still good to get to Davos. It's a nice place, and it was a good place to spend a few weeks. Easy to get into kind of like the nice vacation mindset. But, <clears throat> yeah, there's some racing at the end, and it was a good time.
0: So uh, tell us about your races, how they went and whatnot.
1: Um, they were pretty good. We had some time trials that we did the weekend before with uh, – a couple athletes from Italy, Russia, Germany, and Switzerland. They were really fun and went pretty well. And then the races the next weekend didn't go quite as well for me. I mean, obviously, like, time trials are not – people bring a lot of different uh, approaches into them, so you can't really compare it too much. But, yeah, the next weekend was a little bit harder. I think I just – I didn't get, like, the results I wanted, I guess, is what it boils down to. I felt pretty good, but –
0: how were your sensations when you were in Davos? I seem to remember you telling me in, in the time trial in the skate, simula- skate sprint simulation, you felt really good and obviously you were very fast. And the next day you did, I think it was a 15K also skate, I believe. Yeah. And, and you were tired from the day before. Did you, how long did it take you to not be tired anymore?
1: It was kind of weird because I didn't like actually feel that tired. That was just kind of my diagnosis of what happened there. Um, But yeah, I like didn't feel super tired, which is funny. I think I felt maybe a little bit flat during that and then maybe a little flat in the weekend too, but that is also kind of how altitude can feel even if you're really well prepared.
0: So I wanted to mention something. Um, I did an interview earlier this year with Keegan Randall and she set this 10 year plan and she was quite successful, but set some high goals and she gave herself 10 years to be more or less be the best in the world. And during those years, she struggled to see her improvement. And so she would keep a spreadsheet and it wouldn't just have uh, her place on the day. She would also have her time out of first and her fist points. And I think one of the parameter, if you look at your sprint qualifier in Davos, your fist points were far, far better than they were in Ruka. And it's the same with your sprint qualifier in Dresden. I know sprint qualifiers aren't your strength traditionally, but did you, when you're evaluating your races, is it, is it? does it help to see that market improvement, even though the Norwegians weren't there and some other people weren't there, your, your fist points were much better, if nothing else?
1: Yeah, I mean – I think there's something to be said for that. And, like, long-term, I guess, looking at that stuff is good. And I get – I right, my race is down in my training log and stuff. <clears throat> so, if I go back and look at it, I can see that a lot of the time. But a lot of that also, I think, is just, yeah, there weren't Norwegians and the courses were flatter and faster in both those places than in Ruka. So, like, time gaps were naturally a little shorter. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's like more of a long-term thing sure. to look at. And like, yeah, I guess sometimes it's going to be hard to just like feel like you're doing better. And like, for some people seeing like all those number breakdowns might be easier, but I don't know. I kind of like to just think of how I'm like, if I feel like I'm doing better, which I guess isn't always accurate. So like projecting that around on the other people around me, like what they think about it, like coaches and stuff.
0: So your 15K in most, uh three-lap course, how, how was your pacing? How how'd your, how did you
1: feel? It was good. I My goal was to, like, take it out pretty easy because it starts up a hill, a long hill, and I wanted to make sure – my focus was just to make sure I got to the top of that long hill with good energy still. And then I did that, and I got to the top, and then I was able to work really well the rest of the race and kind of, like – hold a steady pace which is sort of what that course needed because it is relatively flat and at altitude so the more steady that pacing can be um the better it is and my lap times were pretty similar like especially compared to most people in how their uh time differences were lap to lap and then i felt good too at the finish i thought i'd done better than i did cool. but yeah i mean yeah so i can it's it's a little funny because it's like maybe even harder to deal with like a bad result when you really did feel good. And like, but like, you know, Jesse always says that if you did everything you can on that day, like you can't be mad at yourself. So, I mean, that was a, uh, a like a process wise, a very good race for me, I'd say.
0: I think in a course like DeVos, it's easy to, to screw up and go too hard on the, those, those, some of those climbs, especially the early climb in the loop. And then you lose your strength and ability to go really hard in the easier terrain. So that sounds like you had a really good pacing strategy.
1: Yeah, I think that was not my weak point.
0: Yeah. So one of your major focuses this year is on learning and gaining experience. I know the American Nordic ski racing public would be really interested in seeing things through your eyes and learning along with you. So when you look back at your time in Davos, what did you learn from the experience?
1: Part of when I talk about that goal is um, just acknowledging that it's sort of hard to like say what you learn. Like, I don't know if I really learned anything from Davos, but my goal for the year is just like, to get experience basically and just kind of like absorb all that stuff. That's hard to like be told that like, you just kind of like get as you go. And I think part of it is like, it's not, it's just racing. Like it's the same, it's the same thing I've been doing for a long time. So I'm not like learning a bunch of new things. I think I'm just like learning how to deal with different races and racing against different people and being on a different team and, stuff like that and I think one of the biggest things I've like like Davos has helped me sort of learn I guess is like just being patient with results and like kind of understanding that I'm still young even if like a lot of young people have had a lot of success in the World Cup that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to happen for me and to just be like to like trust the process and keep doing what I'm doing and just like keep confidence in myself
0: cool great um at city sprints especially generally it is a challenge to figure out how to warm up because the opportunity to ski on snow is generally severely limited and dress and i believe the men went first and as such i i think you were able to warm up on skis for 10 minutes or so not too long from when you started is that right yeah so can you uh and that was also something you identified earlier this year is you wanted to um, kind of have your warm-ups dialed in despite extraneous circumstances sometimes make it more difficult. Can you tell us about your warm-up in Davos and, and what it was like?
1: Yeah, Dresden it was, it was a little weird, I think, specifically this year because they had a like a COVID safety zone, basically, that was... Here, one sec. Yes? Are you... No, thank you. <laughs> Um, Is that, that
0: thinner, was dinner order. <laughs> that was Haley
1: asking if I was done with dinner. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but so they had this like COVID zone that you couldn't leave, and it was pretty small. So like people were roller skiing around in it that had roller skis, just back and forth. It was like a maybe two hundred meters back, like one way. Um. So I just like ran for a while, and the ten minute window was like forty ish minutes before my start. So I ran for. 20 minutes and did some high knees and whatever exercises you would do running. And then I skied tested skis for like four minutes and then did a couple speeds and just like pickups, to like basically just to see how the course was going and to get like some ski legs under me. And then I went back out and ran and did some squats and stuff to make sure like I was ready to apply power when it came time and it was good.
0: So here's a question to me that, that, that all sounds good, except for one challenge to me anyway. I think in order to perform well in a in a prologue type thing where you're going as hard as you can for two, three minutes, you need to, to hit level four, level five in your in your warm-up for a while. You know, go in and out of it, build some lactate, get rid of it, kind of kind of warm up that whole system. Were you able to do that in your warm-up, being that you were on this flat enclosed section?
1: Yeah, I think maybe even more so, because I did, like, uh, I mean, I did speeds that, like, I think that always helps, like, my warm up, like, the quickness of my muscles. And then for, like, lactate production, I did some, like, squat jumps and push-ups and stuff and, like, strength, typically strength activities that got some lactate in my muscles and cleared it. I actually felt like I was as good, if not better, warmed up than... If I just skied around and didn't think about it that much.
0: Mm, Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, oftentimes at City Sprints, and I think especially the last couple of years in Dresden, there are there were huge rocks and ice chunks that on the TV you couldn't see. And oftentimes they were just below the surface of the of the snow. And it resulted in people crashing out of nowhere. You know, there's someone skiing along, there's nothing there, and then they crash. And um, it seemed like this year the conditions were much better than they have been in the past. Can you describe the, the snow conditions? Do you have any comments on that?
1: Yeah, that was the consensus from the people that have been there before is that it was really nice snow. Oh, and cool. it was good snow. Yeah, they salted it for it was like sunny and they salted it. So it stayed hard and some of the corners got soft and icy, but it was like that's a pretty normal thing for man-made snow.
0: That, yeah. that corner on the far side of the course did look like it was especially as time went on in the heats. it did look like it was really tricky
1: yeah it got pretty soft and actually in like the warm-up the inside got skied a lot and they like hadn't put enough snow there it was maybe an air pocket or something because they didn't groom it enough but it was like starting to go down to the grass below oh. and i knew it was soft but like we were doing it as a group and i like slid into the inside to like make a move i guess it this was the day before with the u.s guys and i crashed and like scratched my elbow oh. <laughs> i mean not a big deal but yeah
0: yeah so another question they had was generally first world cup period you're looking at cold snow and i don't know how many skis you brought with you but of course for dresden it's it's never cold snow it's always wet granular loose oftentimes dirty and that's a different ski and a different grind structure, then you would ski pretty much the rest of the first World Cup period or even second World Cup period. Um, so first question is, how many pair of skis are you traveling with?
1: I think it's about 20-ish total. I don't know for sure because I just live in the wax truck, and I think I get some new skis from the Rossi guys once in a while. But, yeah, something like that. So you like, pretty
0: much got it covered, no matter what happens. Yeah, and,
1: and these – I, most, I have everything pretty much covered, and then there are some days where the Rossi guys will give me an option from there, race fleet to try out against my best ones, Cool, which is also helpful, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. So tell us about your qualifier, how did it how go, and how did you feel and everything?
1: In Dresden?
0: Yeah. In Dresden? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it was two laps, so it was like – but it was super fast so it wasn't like a big pacing issue but it was kind of funny because it was like a big tailwind out of the start because it was it's like a loop like this and then big tailwind out of the start so like everyone was you accelerated quickly and then kind of let up a little bit and just let the the wind carry you kind of and then you had to fight up the track and then do it again and i don't know i was like kind of tired towards the end but it was the kind of race where i finished i was like dang, I probably, if I could be more tired right now, I probably would have gone faster. Like, if I was able to put more power down. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, it was fun. I was glad to even just race that much.
0: So, the City Sprint, like, Dresden is a pretty unique event. They're a lot different from a traditional World Cup event. Is there anything that you learned about that type of event, or did you learn it from your Dresden experience that you want to highlight? Uh,
1: Not really, I guess. It was I mean, not a regular ski race, but <laughs> it's cool to be in the middle of a city. That's one of the th- most ski races are like way out in the middle of nowhere. But there's like you're able to run through the old town and everything there. So freaking that
0: beautiful
1: too, huh? A really pretty city, yeah. Yeah,
0: with the with the with the river there, and then the cathedral, and yeah, a bunch the of old town's old- really beautiful. And yeah, yeah. What about the vibe in the, in the, in the city when you were running through the town? Did you get a feel for the vibe of Dresden? It's pretty interesting, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, Saxony had like was pretty much locked down while we were there, which was kind of weird for like the racing. Um, just like it felt weird that we were racing when they were locked down and there was a curfew. Um, but, I mean, the organizers handled it really well and kept us all in a hotel that was like right next to the race. So we never really went through the city much mm. and uh, yeah. But yeah, the city was not like bustling by any means while we were there.
0: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So after Dresden, you went to Seyfeld to train and spend the holidays. Can you tell us about your time in, in Seyfeld, which you're still, you're still in Seyfeld now, but you're about to leave.
1: Yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's nice to be in an apartment where we cook our own meals and uh I have my own room too which is kind of nice just to like have a place to truly get away um and the snow's been pretty good it's been like tricky waxing actually which is i guess more of a uh burden on Matt than me but yeah it's been good training i like these trails a lot the world, world champs trails are they're really flowy and they ski well and it's been good to. Celebrate some Christmassy activities with the girls and let them bake cookies for me and, you know, just the regular holiday stuff.
0: Uh, on your distance workouts, are you training on the so-called tourist trails or are you also still on the race trails?
1: Uh, a little bit of both, but there's a nice like tourist trail that skis up a valley to a golf course and cruises around there and back down. So I've been doing that mostly because it's like a really long loop.
0: And, um, Sintbelt is quintessential Alpine tourist town, right? That nestled in the mountains with all sorts of, um, that just looks Christmasy, kind of, you know? Have A yeah. you know, feel of Christmas spirit, or quite not being, you know, with your family. And also, maybe the lockdown, uh, and those types of inhibitions might have changed things. But,
1: yeah, uh, but I mean, we've been listening to Christmas music, and there's still lights outside, and we have a little Christmas tree, so. It was good enough.
0: Cool. (laughs) Um, This your first Christmas away from your family, I guess? Yeah. I don't know. I I never really missed that too much. But um, my family wasn't huge Christmas-type family. Is your family pretty Christmassy? Has it been kind of hard to swallow?
1: We kind of are, but I'm – our family's kind of getting older anyway, so it's not, you know, like it's not the same as when I was a kid. It would be nice to be with my family, but
0: yeah.
1: it it it's similar to missing them normally. Yeah, yeah. I would, there's not a big, like Christmas doesn't add a huge burden to me. Huh. Yeah.
0: But some people, you know, being away from their family at Christmas just kicks their butt much more than otherwise. So I'm glad to hear that. It's, it's good. So, um, can, we talked JC's return home I guess you sounds like you might be rooming with Kevin or
1: yeah I don't know yet but that seems likely
0: yeah how often are you in contact with with your coach uh, Jan Braun
1: probably every third day or so we ma- we make a training plan and talk about how it's going and cool. talk about technique and stuff
0: that's great Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about the Tour de Ski. It starts on Friday. Uh, you'll have three races in three days in Val Muster, and then you'll pack up and drive to Toblach, usually after that third race, immediately after. So, you have a full day off then in Toblach, and then you'll have, at least that's the usual plan, and you'll have um, two days of racing in a row. After that second race, you'll probably drive to Belta Fiume, and then have a day off after that, and then race three days in a row this is your first tour to ski. How do you feel and what is your overall strategy in approaching the tour?
1: I'm excited. Uh, there's a lot of like excited energy here. Like people really like the tour and that's made me excited to try my best at it and see if I can get through it. Uh, yeah, I'm not putting a ton of pressure on myself. If it gets too bad, like really bad, then I'll just drop out and that's fine because people do that all the time, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that whole thing. And I guess focusing on just trying to like conserve energy when I can and take advantage of opportunities when they come. I, I'm excited to have like eight day, eight races where I can any one of those days could be a really good day. And so that should be fun.
0: Yeah. So As I mentioned, the Tour de Ski involves eight races in 10 days or the last day, including a brutal steep climb up an alpine hill. Are you planning on completing the tour if everything goes well, or do you have a pre-planned exit with other events in mind?
1: If everything goes well, I'll finish at the top of that hill, but yeah, who knows?
0: So you have teammates who have raced the Tour de Ski quite a few times. Taking important steps to ensure as much recovery as possible Of course, it's a critical part of successfully navigating the Tour de Ski. What are some things that you're planning on doing, especially carefully, for the Tour de Ski?
1: They all talk about eating a lot. So, I guess just like making sure I'm eating like early after races and starting that refuel. Uh, They also talk about packing a light bag so you don't have to move in and out of hotel rooms that extensively. Um, And they talk about leaving like the van leaving in vans after like races and training as soon as possible, just to get back to a chill environment. So I guess that's the stuff that I'll focus on. Cause that's what I've heard the most about. Cool.
0: Is there, I know, I'm sure you've looked at all the stages at the Tour de Ski. Is there a stage that you're targeting or looking forward to the most?
1: Uh, not necessarily. I'm looking forward to the mass starts because we haven't had a mass start yet this year. And that could be fun. I think.
0: Cool. Um, racing up an Alpine Hill is obviously very different from racing on a traditional Nordic course. Have you played around with technique or considered your pacing strategy for that final day? Have you thought about it much?
1: No. And I think even if I did think about it a lot right now, by the end of the seventh race, I probably would not have, uh, I would not be thinking about that a whole lot then either. So I think. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs>
0: yeah, we come to it. Cool. Uh, this summer we talked about things that you could do to make the constant travel and focus on skier easier to, skiing easier to handle by balancing it out with other things such as practicing your German or taking up hobbies. With COVID, many of these options simply no longer exist. What are some things you've been able to do to stay fresh and more comfortable?
1: Um, I guess. I think one of the biggest things for me is like making sure I'm like as organized as possible in my room. I'm not a very organized person, but if I like know where my stuff is, that makes me more comfortable. It's kind of a weird one, but, and then I don't know, just being as social as I can too makes it nice. So yeah, being in an apartment with five people makes it easy. And when I was with JC, like Davos is easy too. And uh, I have school starting after the tour. So that'll, give me another thing to do but I'm glad to not have school during the tour because that seems like it could be a, a tough call
0: yeah for sure cool well um do you have anything else you'd like to mention you've, you've been through a lot this last while and of course you just had some um some holidays in they with your teammates and in a beautiful place anything you want to mention
1: not really just excited yeah, cool. to get back on the horse again
0: yeah
1: okay
0: well we'll talk with you after the tour day ski and um we'll we'll follow you during this during the tour and yell go goose at the uh at the tv nice <laughs> you're goose shoemaker uh schumacher in our house
1: <laughs> yeah and on the tv
0: <laughs> yeah i told you when i was racing in, in all of europe but especially in scandinavia i was i was yawn instead of Ian. Yeah. For, for, you know it's just the way it is so you're goose <laughs> Yep. Hey, Hey, good luck, and uh, thank you very much for taking a few minutes with me and uh, talking with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Okay, see you. Good stuff. See you.